Hey, it's Christina Bowling with the Charlotte Ledger, and you're listening to the Charlotte Ledger Podcast. We talk with Charlotte leaders about important and interesting issues with an eye toward making you smarter, telling you things you don't know, and introducing you to people who are making a difference in Charlotte. You can find out more about the Charlotte Ledger and subscribe to one of our award-winning newsletters by going to thecharlotteledger.com. Today, I'm honored to have with us Diane Ristano, who founded a nonprofit film festival called Joe Dance in honor of her son, Joe, who died in 2010 at age 20 after a four-year battle with an aggressive bone cancer called osteosarcoma. Before Joe died, he had asked his parents to promise to work in his honor to raise money to improve research and treatment for pediatric cancer patients. Joe Dance grew from a small screening of Sundance films in the Ristano's Fourth Ward Courtyard a few months after Joe's death to a full-blown film festival at the headquarters of the Charlotte Ballet in Uptown. Now, 13 years after they started Joe Dance, Diane and Mike have decided to end the film festival. Diane and I have known each other for quite some time across the phone lines, and this podcast was our first time sitting down together. We'll talk about starting a charity in honor of a child, keeping your efforts true to who you are, and how you know it's time to move on. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Diane, thank you so much for being with me today. Wanted to kind of start off by learning a little bit about Joe Dan and your son's story and what motivated you to start this work. Sure, thank you for having me. So yeah, Joe Dan started with a conversation that Joe and I had. I remember the first time we had it, it was very early in the morning. It was just Joe and I. And I don't think a lot of people know that Joe started a bone cancer walk at Macaulay in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where he went to school. And he said, you know, Mom, I'd like you to do something in Charlotte, and I'd like you to raise the money. He goes, I'm not asking you to find a cure. I just want to find better treatments with better outcomes. Joe had osteosarcoma, which is a very rare, hard disease, cancer. The treatments are harsh. And that was his goal. And then he said about giving me a list of what he wanted me to accomplish, what he wanted us to fund. And on that list was a clinical trial, which we have done. He wanted to establish an internship program for college students, which we have established. Or I think we're going into our fifth year of that. I want to be part of research every day. And the way we approached that is we funded a level three research technician in the pediatric cancer lab. We funded his salary for two years. So we've, you know, he gave us a list. He asked us to raise money. We checked everything off and, you know, he's made a difference in kids' lives and how they're getting treated. Let's go back a little bit. Tell me about Joe and how old was he when he was going through his his cancer battle and it seems like it speaks so much to who he was that he would be thinking about these things right. so much outside of himself. Well, you know, okay, so Joe was in probably what they, well, they call it the young adult category. So he was 16 and he passed away when he was 20. He, we as a family, it was not really known outside of our family. We knew he was not going to survive early on or that his survival rate was very, very low. He had a lot of time to think, and he had a lot of time to process. And I think that, you know, one of the things that hit Joe and also our family was the fact how little funding there was specifically for this cancer, specifically for pediatric cancers. And not, pe- not a lot of people were aware of it. 
unless you enter that pediatric cancer world as a patient or somebody involved with the patient or related to that patient, you really do not have any understanding of the how how it's treated. It's treated totally different than adults. How it, they manage these kids through their treatments with all the support that they give them. And I think that we were both shocked about that. And so I think Joe said, first of all, nobody knows about bone cancer. So he started that walk. And then when he saw that there was results and money raised, I think he thought, well, maybe we, we need to do something in Charlotte also. So Joe saw these needs and he actually looked was able to give you a list. Yes, he did give me a list. As a mom, do you do those become your marching orders? Yes. And did they become your marching orders during his lifetime or was it really after he passed? So all the conversations happened before he passed away. And Joe Dance started eight months after he passed away. And the funny thing is, is he said to me, you know, I chuckle about it now. He said, I don't want you to do a 5K, a gala, or a luncheon. He said, I don't want you to tell anybody else's story. I want you to tell my story. So that's, you know, because I always get this question, why a film festival? It's, you know, the easiest way to raise money. And so we did a film festival because that's what our family did together. We went to the movies. That's how the whole film festival came up. So it, there was a list, then there was, these are the parameters and these are the... So, and yeah, and we just, you know, we've never wavered off that list or what we do ever. We've never changed from the day we started. It's so interesting about the film festival and how, how unique that is to your family. Tell me about how film, what was the role that film played in your family's structure? <laughs> so it started, oh man, it started a long time ago when we lived in Dallas. If you've ever lived in Dallas, Texas in the summer, it is so hot. There was a movie theater that played kids' movies like once or twice, a week. I think it was twice a week. So to get out of the heat and to have the kids do something, we would go to the movies and then we'd go to lunch. And it became a thing that we did. And then we, when they got a little bit older, we started a tradition of New Year's Eve. We would go to lunch and a movie and we'd make sure we were all back home before seven o'clock because we didn't want to be out on the roads on New Year's Eve. And ironically, that New Year's Eve tradition still happens, whether we're together or not. You know, Joe had twin brothers that were younger, and they're not, we're not all living in the same spot. But somehow we all managed to go to lunch and a movie on New Year's Eve. Did he know you were going to start a film festival? No, he did not know how we were going to raise money. He just knew that I made a promise to him that I would. How did you decide on the film festival? How did it come to you? You know what? It just kind of grew out of an event that we were already doing in the courtyard of our townhomes. We were showing films on the side of a townhome for everybody that lived there. And I don't know, we were just sitting in my living room with our neighbor and talking, of course, over a glass of wine. And I said, this is what we should do. There was no major planning or marketing thinking behind it at all. It's this, let's do this. And this is the only weekend we can do it, which is why we're the first weekend in August. And that's how it started. And it started with 15 people in our courtyard showing Sundance movies on the side of a townhome. Now it's grown into this. So Diane, take me through that, what that's like to 
to go through this, having a child pass, and then did you quickly mobilize? Does it give you a channel for your grief? So this was never a channel. You know, people have said that to me, you know, like this was probably a way for you to grieve. It was not a channel for me to grieve. It was very purposeful. And I have never sat down quietly in 13 years to grieve. My grieving starts today. It was more of a purpose for me and more of a promise that I made to Joe than more of a channel to grieve, I would say. Yeah. How do you start that work? What do you do? How do you build a nonprofit (laughs) like that? You know, I had, well, first of all, we already had a relationship with Health Atrium Health Foundation and the children's part of the hospital over there. Joe had been donating money to Levine Children's through his bone cancer walk. So I did have some, I had contacts over there. I sat on the Family Advisory Council the two years after Joe passed away. And I'll tell you what, I, I really, I really did not know all the ins and outs of starting a nonprofit, but I had a lot of people that I could lean on for advice. I talked to, <laughs> I talked to people at Atrium Health a lot. And I think that you just, if you, for me, I made that promise to Joe and I was going to figure it out. That's it. I was just going to figure it out. And, you know, we, we waited. We didn't file for a 501c3 until 2012. So we did 10 and 11, very small, quietly. Then we found a festival director. We filed for a 501c3. And, you know, I, I guess I knew that there was something there because the first year we donated $960. Then it was $1978 or something. And then, you know, it was $2,800. I could see the money going up and I'm thinking, oh, maybe we have something pretty unique here. So 2013, we donated $25,000. So when we hit that, I was like, yeah, we've got something pretty unique here. And it was very unique. Talk about the the development of the film festival, because it really became very well known among filmmakers and, and film aficionados. And I mean, in terms of like filling that a need in that kind of art scene as well. Yeah, it's so it's yeah, that's interesting. We have a really good following and support from the filmmakers. And we have, you know, this past couple of years, we had a great festival director, Chip White, who really went out into the community and promoted Joe Dance for us very successfully actually. It is known within the filmmaking community that if you get into Joe Dance, that's quite an honor because we only have 3 nights for the and then we have a student section Saturday afternoon, but we only screen probably twenty five short films, just because that's all the time we have. They know if you get in, that's pretty special. What are some of the venues that you all used over the years? So the festival up until two thousand eighteen was always in the Tenth Street townhome courtyard. We tented every inch of it because it rained. It rained every year for thirteen years except for two nights. That's it. So we tented everything back there, and we just ran out of space. Doug Singleton at the ballet approached me and said, why don't you move it over to the Charlotte Ballet? So that's where we have called home for since 2018. 
And then, of course, during the pandemic, we were we were virtual. And that still remained really successful. It really did. Yeah. And, you know, we made that decision really fast, like at the end of April, and we had to find a platform. We had to we had to talk to all the, you know, contact the filmmakers and say, this is going to go virtual. And we turned it around and, you know, people bought tickets. And not, not only did they buy tickets, they signed on and watched it. It was amazingly successful. Two of our strongest years. All this time, you've maintained, of course, a close relationship with Levine. What's it like to see the effects of what you're doing and also, how much do you steer the direction of where the money goes and how it's used over there? So we have a Joe Dance Pediatric Cancer Fund that was that they manage for us over there. And we meet once or twice a year. I meet with Dr. Osterheld, and we decide where the money's going to be spent. So a pretty much sign off on where all the money goes. And there's like three over $325,000 in that account. And we're still, you know, you can still donate. If you like what we do, you can still donate through the foundation web page. And there, we have a page on there. What are some of the things that are happening there that you're the most, pr that you're the proudest of? Well, I, I'll tell you, well, first of all, funding a level three research tactic, that was amazing. The clinical trial, amazing. It's, I think it's in phase three right now. But I think what I'm most proud of is the internship program and how it's changed protocols how it's changed the way kids are treated. You know, there was very little support for Joe when we were there. I, I think there was a, a social worker. But now they have a whole team that's run by Dr. Jennifer Pope. It's integrative medicine. Okay, you're going to get chemotherapy, but then we're going to support you over here too because we know you, need, you have these other needs that need to be supported. So it's more of the emotional support school support, spiritual support. I, you know, I think about Helios. When Joe had mouth sores, the stuff he had to swish and swallow with, it tasted like gasoline to him. And now it's a flavored liquid nutrient, tastes like tang. You know, it, and it's easier to do. And if you keep your mouth sores under control, you stay healthy. The backpack program that I talked about, we had an intern work on a brain tumor project this year. So I think that when you put those interns out there and they collect the data that helps the oncologists present a paper, change a protocol, you know, I think that's amazing. I mean, so many different, so many different ways. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, is it's all gone to support the list that Joe gave us. It's always, it always, you know, I said to somebody, this was never about anybody else. It, this was always about Joe's story, and this was always about Joe's list. It was his legacy list, and we were just the people that got it done for him. I think if he had lived, he would have done it himself. So we're just the ones that did it for him. I want to hear a little bit about how you decide, where you are now. I understand that you've recently decided to stop the film festival. Correct. Tell me about this this decision that you made and what it's going to be like going forward. So it wasn't a decision I entered into lightly. I will be very honest with you. It took me several years to get to this point. Two years ago, we had checked everything off of Joe's list. And we had a good amount of money in the pediatric cancer fund. 
I set a goal that I wanted to leave at least 300000 in that pediatric cancer fund because I knew that would last for a good while. I was thinking that maybe it would be this year, but I had to, I had to reach a goal at the festival. And if I hadn't reached that goal, I would have done another year. We needed to raise $70,000. We raised $73,000. And I thought, that's my signal to say, we are done. Or I am, we're done with the festival. We're done with the fundraising part. We're now going to go into like a managed fund foundation. It was, like I said, it wasn't an easy decision, but I also knew that there was a life, there was going to be a, a certain lifetime period for Joe Dance because it was not open-ended. It was, these are our goals. This is what we need to accomplish. We did that. So I knew it was going to end at some point. And I just think everything pointed to this year. We decided as an organization that after it was approved by the board, we would not ask for money. We were done asking for money. Our job was to tell everybody about it, why we're doing it, and you know that they're, they're, we're still doing the work that we were going to do, that we said we would do, but we're just not going to do the festival. Then you then you file the papers. File the papers to the state. The state, okay. So and, are you essentially you essentially kind of close the fundraising five hundred one c three part of it? Yep. Okay. Yep. It's it's closed, but we like I said, you can still donate to the Joe Dance Pediatric Cancer Fund. It, it and ironically, you know, we presented our check on December seventh. I came home and in my mailbox was a donation from a third party person, a company that takes matching funds. It's still, the, the whole Joe Dance thing is still alive, just not the festival. Was that kind of a signal to you? Like, it's not really over. It's yeah. still there, and it's not over. And, you know, we still have our Facebook page. We still have Instagram. We'll do, you know, updates on that. But it's, no, it's not done. And we're not done doing the work that we're doing. That's the most important thing. One thing I wanted to ask you, Diane, is how, tell me about the amount of work that it took each year. And, and, to, to put on this festival, does it become a 12-month full-time job? Because you're creating an event, but you're also, of course, getting sponsors and raising money. I mean, what is your year like when you have an event like that and when you're running a nonprofit like that? Well, it is a 12-month job. It is a full-time job. It's lots and lots of hours. At the very beginning, it was myself and a festival director, and that was it lots of volunteers. Over the years, you know, we found a videographer that we loved. We never, we always kept him. You know, we contracted our photographers. We eventually got an event planner on board, but still you're, you're in the everyday all the time. I mean, I paid the bills, signed the contracts, managed our contractors. The film festival would end and I would take a week off and then we'd be back at it. And the other thing is, is that, you know, part of our mission was not only to support the hospital and these programs that Joe wanted us to do. We also made a commitment to support the film community. So we had outside events called the Highlight Series that we would screen filmmakers' short films three or four times a year. Did you ever work in the nonprofit world before this? You said that you knew a lot of smart people who knew how to do these things, but like, I mean, that's a, 
huge education, I imagine, in the first, especially the first <laughs> few years. I never worked for a nonprofit. My career was in, I was a broadcast negotiator for a television buying company. So I think that my best experiences, I was never, I was never scared to ask for something. You know, I could always find a way to ask. You're a really good negotiator. I, I think, yeah, I guess so. And I, you know, no, I didn't really know. It was a real sharp learning curve. And I'm glad we did it the way we did it, slowly. But yeah, no, I had no idea. So what's next for you, personally? The next big thing we're going to do is we are leaving on an extended trip. We're going to spend some time at the in the UK with our sons. And then we're going to do a, a good bit of travel. Joe has twin brothers. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And one is in the UK and one is here in the States? Yeah, and they're identical. It's an interesting story. There are identical twins that are very different. So David lives in the UK. He's a writer and an editor. And Tony is in med school at Sanford Medical in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And he's an MD-PhD candidate. He just did his defense for his PhD a couple weeks ago. So, yeah. You had talked about your grieving. What do you do with that? How do you... Handle what? that. What's that? What does that look like? You know what? I have no idea. You know, I've spent, I've spent every year at the festival, and I've spent every year, almost every day, talking about Joe or Joe dance. You know, I really don't know. When you're grieving, do you get a sense that people feel like it's a long time has passed and don't realize how hard it still is? Yeah, yeah, that's very interesting because I, you know, I did say you know, what I just said, I really, I had a purpose, but I never really used this to grieve. And, you know, I even think it's been 13 years and, but I don't think it ever goes away. I I saw Mike and Tony and David, I saw them go through that. I was on the sidelines watching it. They've, they've gone through that. I've never really had a chance to stop and go through that. So I think that's going to be something that I will work on all year. The big thing, I think when it really hit me, is we closed down the bank account November 30th. And I thought, I will never have to do year-end letters again. It's just that little thing. I'm like, I'll never have to do this again. I I won't have to work on New Year's Eve so I get all those letters out. What was it like taking that? Check. That was a very big. That was a very. And the number was a very big check. It was a big, big check. What so was the amount of that last one? It was $91,383.44. You know, when we had these conversations with our donors and supporters, we, you know, we raised the 73000 And then we had some very, very generous donations up, to, you know, in October and November. And then, of course, Joe's Bone Cancer Walk, at which is now Mission Remission of Macaulay, they still donate to Joe Dance, and that they we received a nice check from them. So, ninety-one thousand that brings our fund well over three hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. I think it's close to almost three hundred thirty thousand, and that's going to fund interns for a long time or any other projects that they have over there that they would like us to be interested in. That was pretty cool. And the whole thing was so nice. I mean, Mark Griffith and Helen and Dr. O were there. Dr. Scholler that runs the lab was there. 
you know, they brought flowers for me and they did an article about Joe in their publication and they framed that. And it was just a very nice, just a whole, it was just a great morning. And there were a lot of people there that had been with us since the beginning. And there was just, it was an opportunity for me to thank a lot of people that had done some extraordinary things. There's a story within a story of Joe Dance, and that was Joe's friends. You know, there were the filmmakers, there were sponsors, there were donors, but then there were Joe's friends. There are actually two guys that I think have never missed a film festival. They, at the very beginning when we started this, they would come and they would sneak the beer and the wine free. So we finally stocked the refrigerator for them. But they'd come and they were all in college, so they didn't have any money, but they all graduated and they became a force for Joe Dance. They would come every year. They became one of our largest sponsors. Joe had extraordinary friends. He had a family that loved him so much. And for as short as his life was, he, he was pretty extraordinary and he still has an impact in other people's lives long after he's passed away. I know personally that my boys never let go of their dreams of what they wanted to be because of the impact of Joe. There are other people that have done that same thing. So he, he's, he's gone, but he lives on in many other ways. That's amazing. And I mean, just, I mean, congratulations to you for all this work that you've done. And like you're saying that you have created this legacy that he started. It's, yeah. it's incredible how much has happened and how much will continue to happen. Oh yeah, he definitely knew what he wanted us to do. And that's what we did. And I'm glad that we can still do what he wants us to do. But it's time for me to rest. I just honestly am so amazed. I never thought that this film festival would grow as much as it did, that the support would be so amazing that we could actually check off Joe's list and that we still have money in our fund. You know, I thank a lot of people that have supported us all these years. But I really want to thank my family for letting me do this. And they've been a huge support. And I just want them to know how much I appreciate that. And thank you so much for taking me on this journey with you and for helping us to see how far you've come and, and how it continues. And so how can people who still want to donate and put their resources towards these efforts, how can they help? On Atrium Health Foundation, we have the Joe Dance Pediatric Cancer Fund page there, and it's actually listed in the scroll down on the, on the donate page. Or you can Google Joe Dance, and that link will come up. And you can go to our Facebook page. The link is there and on Instagram. So it's out there all over the place. But Thank you for being with me. Thank you for, for sharing. And I just feel like there's so much goodness there that people can can learn from and connect with. Well, thank you, Christina. I'm so glad that you asked me to do this. I feel like it's actually, it's closing this chapter of my life and I really appreciate that. Thank you. To our listeners, thank you for listening. The Charlotte Ledger podcast is produced by Lindsay Banks. You can find out more about the Charlotte Ledger at thecharlotteledger.com.